What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Joe and Nick. What's going on, guys? And Max. Hello, everybody. All right. So, had an interesting week of sports. Um, we're going to start off with probably the biggest topic that's been going on this week. All the postponements um, across the league because of the shooting of Jacob Blake. Um, I guess I'll just give the context of the situation. So, when did it happen? Do you know? Well, I, I don't remember. It was about a week ago or so. Okay. Um, I don't know the specific day, but basically, uh, Jacob Blake was shot by the police when he was uh, turned around, and that's the whole, that's all I'm going to give about that. We're going to give our opinions, but what I mainly want to focus about is the sports situation. So, across all the leagues, uh, games were postponed. Um, really the first one being the Bucks basically boycotted the game against the Magic, which would be, I think would have been their fifth game. Uh, they boycotted the game and that led to NBA shutting down for three days, um, which led to all the other leagues shutting down games. It uh, created a multitude of controversy, which we're going to go through, uh, but all leagues were postponed in a unified front to for Black Lives Matter, and I guess we'll just start off by how we feel about the situation. Um, Nick, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. So, in terms of the Jacob Blake situation, I think two things for me, especially on, I guess, one, less on the sports front, more on, B, more on the sports front, I'll start with A. I think the Jacob Blake situation is a little bit more complicated than what happened to George Floyd. George Floyd, I feel it was pretty black and white in terms of uh, the officer who had kneeled on his neck, um, I feel like that was wrong. And I think generally across America, everybody agreed with that. Where I feel that Jacob Blake is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more of a gray area based on the situation of the case. Uh, apparently he, he resists arrest and then the cop shot him. So I, you know, obviously I think there's gotta be, um, uh, more of an investigation that goes into that situation. Um, but I, I don't think it's as, as black and white as George Floyd, uh, but, you know, staying, staying open to whatever happens in terms of investigation, I think is important. Um, going off of that, you know, going to the, the sports movement and how everyone kind of sat out or boycotted the last, cu- the last couple days due to the Jacob Blake situation. I just find it kind of odd, personally. I, I, I understand where they're coming from. It's more of a symbolic gesture in terms of the fact, like, if we're playing sports, then we're not paying attention to what happened to Jacob Blake and what's mm-hmm. going across the world. But at the same time, again, I just, when it comes to sports to me, and I feel like a lot of people across America, sports is that one situation where you can escape what's in the news. And you know, being that, I think that them standing out also kind of does nothing for racial injustice across America. I don't really understand what it does because, you know, after these past couple of days pass, we're getting back into games now. Is anyone gonna, really going to remember the day or two they took off, number one? And then number two, is anyone's minds are, are going to be changed? You know, is anybody not going to be racist now because they did that? And then number three, I would say um, – I lost my train of thought. I, you know, I just don't understand, like, what it exactly accomplishes. Um, but I understand where they're coming from. Um, and I guess that's all I got to say about it for now. All right. Um, so I guess I'll give my point of view, something that I want to say regarding Nick. I think, I think it's the first time that all the leagues like stopped playing. Well, obviously not all the leagues are playing at once, but all the leagues 
were postponing their games, and I think that's supposed to add to it, um, that it's symbolic and they're joining the front, and I think the thing that they're not going to distract from what happened with Jacob Blake. I forgot the name of the tennis star, but um, she basically said it perfect that you're not going to be distracted by watching me play tennis. Instead, you're going to be thinking about the situation at hand. And um, another thing that I was talking to my dad about is that a lot of these owners... um, Wait, now I lost my train of thought. Okay, skip that. It wasn't a good point anyway. Um, So basically, my opinion on the situation, um, for those that have listened to the podcast, I'm a bit different on the political side to Nick, but... I think it is it is different than the George Floyd situation because the George Floyd situation was just outright murder. And I think a lot of people can agree with that. Um, there was no reason to kill the guy. Uh, and this situation, it is a little bit more iffy because he did turn around and it seemed like he might be going to get something out of his his car that could have got the police scared and things like that. The one thing that I take away from it, and I think which is a large part of the Black Lives Matter movement, is that police, in my opinion, look at arresting or going after black people different than they do white people. And yes, I am Democrat, so that's where uh, that comes from. Um, I think it is a little bit different. I think that's what players see. And there's been so many interviews with Doc Rivers, Dom Smith. Those are the two major ones where they're literally crying about the situation at hand and I don't think it's fair to say that they're like faking the crime because I think that's just not fair to assume um and obviously they feel something about the situation um so that's my opinion on that situation my feelings on the justice movements by the major sports leagues I mean I like them I think I think it's the they don't want to distract from what's going on around the world and I think that's the reason why they did it and yeah, it might not have that big of an impact, but the unity that it shows is definitely something. Um, and that's basically all I have to say. Uh, Max, what are your opinions? So my opinion, like for as far as what the Bucks did, you know, I think if they um, if they feel like boycotting those games is going to have an impact, and I think you know more power to them. You know, I don't. I'm not going to sit in your say it's an invalid form of protest. If they think that's what's going to change, I think they can do that and. You know, if I'm, you know, as far as going doing a job goes, if you're allowed to do that, if your superiors are allowing you, like the owners, the commissioner, all that, who am I to say you can't do it? Mm-hmm. You know, I I'm not gonna say speak for how I th- I would feel in a situation because you know I'm not a black man, so I'm not going to speak on that front. But you know, as far as I as postponing the games goes, I don't. I'm kind of a Nick. I don't think it's gonna have that much of an impact. You know, and I think that there are ways. You know, to you know, play the games. Do you go on with your life, but still support movements? And one thing I, I'm also going to say is, you know, as far as the NHL goes, my opinion is they they had no plans to shut down whatsoever. You know, on Wednesday nights, Dan Ochar and a few other players came out and said, you know, we found out we didn't have enough time to make a decision. I don't believe that. I think they wanted to play 100%. And I think the, the um, response to what they did was really horrendous, in my opinion, because I heard all there was all kinds of bullying them going on, saying how they don't care about the movement, how they're totally morally wrong. And to me, that's I think that's I think that's inc- incorrect. And you know, um, I I just want to say that I think going on with this, I think we need to learn to 
going to treat others well regardless of what's going on because I think the NHL, like I said, got bullied into this decision. And I think they could have supported the movement but still had and still played. And I think it's just one of those things where with this whole thing, let's you know, treat others well and and not get mad regardless of what they decide to do. The one thing I do have to say to that, and that's and it's not meant to be rude or anything, but like no. what what do you think they could have done? I think, you know, at the beginning of the games, the statements they made, the moment of silence and that, mm-hmm. all that, I think that's what they could have done. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess it's, a, it's just different opinions on two different sides. Um, but hey, you know, this here, I, I'm, like we're doing here, we can talk about this without getting yeah. mad at each other. Yeah. So that's that's what I want yeah. to say. I just, just going off of Max's point, I just wanted to reiterate in terms of my point, is that, like, I totally agree with the form of protest, right? It's peaceful. Um, it, it, you know, it, it somewhat makes sense, right? I just, like, as Max said and I said earlier, I just question, like, what is it going to accomplish? Not whether it's a valid form of protest or not. I have no nothing wrong with, with a boycott. You know, that's, that's to- totally valid. Um, and, and, again, just what is it going to accomplish? Right. Um, also, one thing I wanted to say, uh, before, when the, with the Bucks, if, before it, like, was called that it was, all the games were going to be postponed, I thought it would have been very interesting because I don't know what the exact rules of a boycott are, but I would assume that it's, like, a forfeit, and the fact that they were willing to boycott the game and willing to lose a game in the playoff series, that shows a lot of, uh, powerful meaning, I guess you want to call it, um, but that was before all the games were postponed. But I don't know the exact rules of a boycott count as... Me neither. Uh, forfeit. But whatever. Um, so we're going to go off that topic, and we'll go right into hockey. Okay, so I'm going to go right into the um, the series updates for everything. So I'm going to start with the Stars and Avalanche. And it's, it currently sets us 2-1 for the Stars in the series. And the first point I'm going to make is I'm not sure... Before I get this point out of the way, I'm going to say I don't mean to take away from anything that's happened the past few days right here. This is purely a, an analytical point. This is purely me trying to give my thoughts on the series, where I think it stands. But I think the Stars were honestly completely screwed over with the series stoppage because they were they had momentum. They had won the first few games of the series. You know, They lost a back-and-forth game three, but they still played pretty well. But now they, they've sat for four days now, the teams have, where they were getting one day rest, if any, in, in these series. And with the Avalanche, they're the more talented team. They have a serious they've had a serious chance to regroup and go approach the game differently now that they know what the stars are gonna do. You know, and whereas in the series they were kind of caught having to make changes really quickly. When we saw game two, they really couldn't respond that well. So so right now I think this is a totally new series. And with um with the Avs being the more talented team, with them getting the chance to Make um make some adjustments. I think they're going to win the series now. I really do. So moving on to this Bruins and Lightning. It sits at three to one for the Lightning. Lightning have won three straight games. They have all the momentum. And as I said this probably a couple of days, a couple of weeks ago on the first podcast, that I thought the absence of Tuka Rass for the Bruins really wouldn't hurt them that bad. And I'm starting to believe I'm wrong about that because he is not. Pl- he's clearly not. They've clearly given up more goals since he's been in net. Since Yaroslav Lock, I mean, has been in net. And as I saw yesterday, I thought he gave up a really soft goal. The second goal that Lightning scored, I believe it was Andre Plod. It was a slap shot from point, not really a hard shot. That Pollock saw the whole way. It hit his glove. And I, I don't think Tuka would have given that up at all. And, you know, it's not been, as far as the play goes between the two teams, it's not been totally 
lopsided, except for Game 3, obviously, when the Lightning won 7-1. But with the way these teams are, I just can't see the Bruins winning three games in a row. So I definitely think the Lightning are going to win this series, as I predicted earlier. And moving on to the Canucks versus Golden Knights series, this has been a bit of a tough series to judge because... Neither game in this series has been that close. The first game, Golden Knights won 5-0. Second game, the Canucks won 5-2. Last night, the Knights won 3-0. So to me, it's kind of hard to get a handle on it. You know, I think the Canucks can win at least one more game in this series. I think they'll score a couple more goals on the Knights and win probably one more game. But I still think the Knights are the more talented team and will win this series. And then the last series, I'm going to talk about the Islanders and Flyers. And the this one's going about as well as I... About what I expected to do. The Islanders are showing up with a four check and, and defense is playing well. You know, the Flyers haven't been able to contain their four check that well, especially last night when they, the Islanders got going. The Flyers really couldn't do much about it. And I've been more impressed with them. You know, even in game two when the Island Flyers went up 3 nothing, of course they blew that lead, won that game in overtime. But the light, Islanders really had that momentum going into overtime. And I, I've just, like I said, I've been more impressed. I think they're going to win this series as I predicted earlier. So that's if the series. One thing I just want to talk about is uh, in the Lightning Bruins game yesterday, Nick Ritchie, he had, in my opinion, I think most people agree, a dirty hit on Yanni Gord of the Lightning. It was about, I, I'll admit, I didn't see it in real time. I, I don't remember seeing it in real time, but looking on the replay, it looked like a pretty late hit. In real time, I would assume that was like a two-second, two to three-second difference, which either way, I think it was definitely enough for... Richie to change his um trajectory what's the word trajectory on the ice well whatever he was he had a way to avoid trying to hit Gord and it hurt Gord he was on the ice for a bit I definitely think he should be suspended at least a game there's been no news I don't think I don't think I've heard that he's going to have a hearing from the NHL Department of Player Safety which I would definitely have expected that news right now at least some sort of discipline you know it could be happening and you know, although it'll have to happen before tomorrow because I believe that's when their next game is, but no news on that front yet. But I definitely think Richie should be suspended at least a game. So that's all I have for hockey. All right. Uh, so we'll go right into the NBA. And Nick, do you have anything about hockey? Uh, no, go Islanders. We're up. I know, right? We're beating those Flyers. We're hot. This is this is a childhood dream of mine. We got to keep going. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Islanders over the Flyers. Me too. Me too. So uh, we'll go into basketball, which is also in the playoffs, obviously. So the first thing I want to talk about, uh, the Bucks beat the Magic um, when Game 5 happened. Uh, I mean, that was supposed to be expected that the Bucks were going to easily sweep the Magic. They didn't end up sweeping, but they had a very good uh, Game 5. Brooke Lopez, one of his comments was that uh, he felt that the boycott brought them closer and helped them play better. Whether or not that's true, they did end up playing better. So they ended up being the Magic. They're going to be taking on the Heat, which I think Game 1 is tomorrow. That's a very interesting series. Before the playoffs, I would have said the Bucks were going to beat the Heat. And I still do think that. I just think it might be a little harder because the Bucks didn't have that great of a, a first series. And the Heat uh, totally demolished the Pacers, uh, sweeping them. So I think that'll be an interesting series. I still think the Bucks are going to end, end up winning... I'm going to say in six games, um, but definitely going to be a fun series with Giannis. Um, obviously, it's always fun, but going against uh, the Heat and, oh my God, what's his name? Um, what's the Heat guy's Heat player's name? Uh, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy Butler and everyone else on the Heat. Uh, but 
next up. Um, the Celtics are up 1-0 against the Raptors. This is going to be also, I don't want to keep saying interesting because that's just annoying to keep saying, but the Celtics and the Raptors for the whole season have really been the top two in the, no, one, have been like two and three in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think that, in my opinion, I think the Celtics have played so much better in the playoffs. Um, with Kemba Walker seems to just be able to play differently with the Celtics comparatively to Kyrie Irving. And I think the Celtics are going to end up winning this series as well. I do think the Raptors are going to put up a really good fight. I mean, the Raptors and Celtics are pretty much neck and neck, but the Celtics have been really hot during the playoffs. Um, but in my opinion, Kemba Walker uh, being able to play with this offense has been really something to see, and I think he'll be able to take them over the Raptors. Uh, obviously, the Celtics versus Raptors, the Celtics end up beating the Sixers last week, and the Raptors beat the Nets. Uh, that's all the Eastern Conference stuff. I don't know if you guys have any com- com- if you guys have any comments before we go into the Western. Conference. Um, question: What what did you guys um your opinions on Brett Brown being fired from, from the Sixers? Oh, yeah, I think that Brett Brown. I've always been a little on in the middle about. I never thought he was that great of a coach. I thought that the talent that he was able to get with the Sixers when he took oh. Not when he took over, but I i mean, he hasn't done that great with the Sixers when they've had the talent, and I think that's a main thing. I think he he's a, he's a fine coach, but he's nothing special. I agree with Brian. I just think, I think he's had a decent amount of talent. I don't think he's coached him to this optimal yeah. ability, but at the same time, when I look at the 76ers rosters over the time he's been coached, the coach there, I don't think he's had the, the talent to really get over the hill in terms of he haven't... Like, in the NBA, when you have a, a massive superstar like LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard, right, those players are the type of players that will put you over into, you know, competing for a final. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he really has that in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid right now. And whether that's to him or to Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons themselves, that's up to debate. But I don't think he has that type of player. And, and in accordance with that, I think, you know, a team like the Raptors, right, they're a really good team, not just one player. And I think the 76ers as a team haven't been successful, I think, mainly to, due to their uh, inefficiency and being able to spread the floor out. You know, in today's NBA, you've got to be able to shoot threes, you've got to be able to spread the floor. And the 76ers are just not built to do that. You know, they have their shooters, but, you know, like J.J. Reddick looking at last year. But the minimal amount of shooting they've had on that team um, has really hurt them. And I say it's a major portion uh, is that the fault of Ben Simmons? Because Ben Simmons, if he wants to play point guard, if he wants to take a guard-type role for the 76ers and really lead them to a championship, he has to be able to develop a jump shot, and he has yet to do that in the NBA. Um, kind of excited everybody at the beginning of the year when he took his first three and made it, and <laughs> since right. then he hasn't really shot too many. Um, you know, Again, if Ben Simmons can develop a jump shot, I think that 76ers team is a lot better than they are, um, and that's not really exactly on Brown. Mm-hmm. But I do think that Brown could... You know, even if you want to play inside, which I think is a little bit against the meta in the NBA today, I don't think Brown was optimal at doing that, so I don't mind the firing. I got to say, as long as the 76ers don't hire Jay Wright from Villanova, I will be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that actually brings up a good point with uh, Brett Brown, because Jason Kidd is very much interested in that job, and who wouldn't be? I mean, they have talent on that team. If the 76ers get Jason Kidd, that's a terrible move. I do not trust Jason Kidd in a head coaching position. He's never done well. 
he was an uh, option for the Knicks, and I was scared they were going to take him because he at one point was their top candidate as well. But they should not go after Jason Kidd. Yes, he was a good point guard, but that doesn't mean he's going to be a good head coach, and he has not been a good head coach at all. And I, and I agree with that because I, I remember I talked about it a few weeks ago that, you know, why every time there's been a coaching vacancy that Jason Kidd yeah. and Tyron Lue are the first names that come up, I don't know why. They've been unsuccessful as, as coaches in the NBA, and they keep getting rehired for whatever reason. I guess Tyron Lue is a, a little bit of an asterisk there because he did win a title, but then again he had LeBron James – and as soon as he lost LeBron James, that team was worse than the NBA again. So right, yeah, I and that also brings up another good point. I think a good option for the 76ers would be Nate McMillan, who was also just fired by the Pacers, which was pretty had some controversy to it because Nate McMillan has always been regarded as a pretty good head coach in the league, but he just never, similar to Brett Brown, got over the hump with the Pacers. Um, I think. I don't know who said it, but the the reason that one of the reasons they fired Nate McMillan was just that, yes, he's a good head coach, but it just they need someone new in the building because there's just this hump that they're not getting over, and I think the same thing might go for the Seventy Sixers and Nate McMillan might go to the Pacers and Brett Brown might go to the wait Nate McMillan might go to the Sixers, Brett Brown might go to the Pacers. I think that would be very interesting. They're both similar head coaching, in my opinion, and. Um, that would be an interesting swap if that happened. Uh, do we want to go into the Western Conference now? Uh, sure. Just going off of McMillan, I just wanted to say that, you know, I definitely like him better as a coach than Brown. I think that Pacers team has not had the most talent, and I think he's able to win. And be, You know, with the Pacers landing at a 4 seed this year with Vizdal Adipo being down for most of the year, um, you know, between injuries here and there. I, I just think that uh, the, 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 his ability to get the Pacers to a 4 seed is pretty impressive, um, you know. So I would like to see him with the 76ers. I think that would yeah. be a better hire than, let's say, a Tyron Lue. Or, or a Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd. Oh, my gosh. Um, so going into the Western Conference, uh, pretty interesting series so far. So the Lakers wind up uh, closing out on the uh, Trailblazers. Uh, you know, pretty convincingly, a 4-1 to series win um, after that first game. The Lakers kind of took it to the Blazers and didn't let them pick up momentum. And that ended that series pretty quickly. Uh, going off of the Blazers, it should be interesting to see where Melo lands next year. He says that he wants to come back to the Blazers, but I'm sure it's going to be a contract thing. You know, is, is, if Melo wants to stay, he's going to be he's got to be willing to take a, 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 contra- a contract, uh, you know, a, ch- a cheaper contract. And I don't know if Melo wants to do that. I'd imagine he will because it seems you know, throughout Melo's career, he's loved basketball, and I think he meshed pretty well with the Blazers. Uh, I think they were a pretty good eight, eight seed this year, but I do think may- they need maybe. I don't know what the Blazers got to do because I mean they have between CJ McCollum, uh, Damian Lillard, Nurkic, Hassan Whiteside, and Melo. I mean that's that's a really solid starting group of guys. I don't know what maybe you have to change something up there. I'm not sure what you need. Maybe you need a superstar at the center spot. I really don't know what the solution is there, but I think that's a pretty well off group of guys, and I think that that type of team can win a finals if they're coached right. So maybe it's a coaching thing. I don't know what it is, but. I think they have a good roster on the town, and I think Melo definitely adds to the Blazers, so I'd like to see him back with the Blazers. One thing I have to say about that, I think, I mean, he's going to have to be willing to not get pay that he got before the Blazers, but, I mean, his deal with the Blazers was, like, $2 million. So I think he's going to end up having much better offers on the table because he proved that he's still a very good talent in the NBA, which I think most people expected him to be able to prove. 
And I agree. That's, that's, that's my point. Like, he, I know he tried to sign for a cheap contract this year, but the fact that he did do so well with the Blazers over his time there, I think he he may be in the mindset, or him and his agent might be in the mindset, that he deserves more money. Sort of like, a, I would say, in terms of football this year, looking at a Cam Newton or a Teddy Bridgewater, right. to, you know, t- taking a, a cheaper contract in order to prove themselves and then trying to get a bigger contract elsewhere. Um, but we'll have to see what Mel decides to do. One thing that he proved for sure was that he's willing to not be the center of attention anymore, which was mm-hmm. something he had to be able to prove. 100%. Um, and then on the Lakers side of that series, uh, you know, the Lakers are chugging along. Uh, that, that little bit of a misstep uh, in the first game, but, you know, they kind of dominated throughout the series from there on. And, you know, again, I, I still think the Lakers are my favorite to win to win the finals this year. Uh, but we'll have to see who they play in round two. So going off of that series, we have the Thunder and Rockets. Uh, after winning the first two, the Rockets let go of the second two. Uh, Westbrook came back for for uh, game five, and the Rockets won 114-80. to Pretty dominant win. Uh, Westbrook really is the X factor for the Rockets because if James Harden's having a bad night, Russell Westbrook can pick it up, vice versa. And sometimes Eric Gordon can pick it up. You know, there's a lot of guys. Uh, you know, Austin Rivers picked it up one night. He got like 40-plus points. So I think this Rockets team is pretty dangerous, and I do think they're going to win out the series 4-6 in six games uh, from here on out. And we'll see them Rockets versus the Lakers in the second round. Uh, should be an interesting series. I think the Rockets and Lakers will probably go to a game 6 or 7, and I think the Lakers will win it out. Even though I'm a Rockets fan, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be ecstatic to see the Rockets upset the Lakers like that. But I do think this Lakers team is, you know, they play too well together. Uh, you know, I think they pass really well for how big they are behind LeBron James. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, it's, they're such an incredible team. LeBron, you know, LeBron James every year gets to the finals for a reason. Uh, he's every year the best player in the NBA, and I don't think this year's any different. He's definitely at least top three. Um, so Lakers team is going to be tough to beat. So I do expect the Lakers, uh, Lakers and Rockets in the second round. Um, moving from that series, we have the Utah Jazz versus the Denver Nuggets, which I expected the Jazz to win it in seven, uh, rather Denver in seven. And it seems like, uh, we're going. We're going to have something like that. Um, you know, going back to actually the last few series, I did expect the Lakers to put up more of a fight. I said the Lakers would win it in seven. The Lakers won it in five. And then the Rockets, I figured, would probably go along the lines, and the Rockets would win it in six. I think that's what I said uh, back a couple weeks ago. So I'm pretty decently accurate there. A little bit off on the Lakers. The Lakers uh, kind of dominated more than I expected. Uh, but going into this Utah Jazz and Denver Nuggets series, the Jazz are up three to two, and you know. I, I do think the Nuggets still have a shot to come back in this, this series and win it in seven, uh, but it should be pretty interesting. Uh, you know, the, the Jazz have played really well as a team. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's been really, really good. Rudy Gobert's been really good. Uh, you know, across the board for the Utah Jazz have been pretty solid. Uh, I think the, the Denver Nuggets have been lacking a little bit, but I think Jamal Murray's really picked up that pace. He's averaging 27 points per game in that series, and he's been super hot in the bubble uh, in the playoffs so far. And I think it's going to come down to can the rest of the Nuggets pick up for, you know, can Jamal Murray stay hot and can the rest of the Nuggets pick it up uh, going forward for the series. But I do think this will, this series will probably end in seven. Um, I don't know what team is going to win it, honestly. I do, you know, I just thought Nuggets were the better team coming into this series, but the Utah Jazz are really proving themselves, especially on the defensive end, uh, to be pretty impactful. So we'll have to see how that series ends. Um, I honestly don't know who's going to come out on top, but it should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, moving from there, uh, which the game's happening right now, we have the Clippers and the Mavericks. Uh, on the Mavericks side of things, you know, the, the Clippers are 3-2. to two. On the Mavericks side of things, it's looking pretty bleak right now. I believe the Clippers are winning. Um, 
And, you know, look on the Mavericks side, they lost Kevin, uh, Kevin, they lost KP, South Porzingis, uh, to a meniscus tear for the rest of the season slash the rest of the series, really. Uh, that's a pretty big loss for them. You know, I don't think Porzingis is the greatest player, um, on that team, obviously behind Luka Doncic, but he's still a pretty big, uh, player on that team. And that's a pretty big loss for them, especially because they were struggling in rights for the Clippers, or the Clippers being so good. And I think it's going to hurt them more. I do expect the Clippers to win today and they'll probably win it in six and move on. Um, and the Clippers side of things, I think the Clippers, I, I, you know, I think it really is going to come down to Paul George because he's been absent in the playoffs so far against this Mavericks team. And if he doesn't pick it up in the further rounds, I don't think the Clippers can even make it out of the second round, let alone, you know, I, you know, it depends who comes out of the first round and depends how hot they are, right? If the Jigsaw guys, let's say, since they're up three to two, come out of the second, the first round, they're super hot. I think they could take down the Clippers team if Paul George doesn't show up. Um, he needs to pick it up. He's been pretty abysmal in the playoffs. And he's going to be a major factor. You know, if let's say they make it past the semifinals, they go to the conference finals against the Lakers. There is no, there's not a shot in this world that the Clippers can take on and beat the Lakers if Paul George is not playing well. Kawhi Leonard is good, but I don't think he's good enough to beat LeBron James. Um, so you know, it, it's going to be really interesting. I, I you know I love the West this year. I, I think they there's so many interesting teams in the West where I feel like the East. A lot of teams, after you get past like the four or five seed, the teams just drop off a cliff. Where I feel like the West, I feel like every team, one through eight seed, can really put up a fight in the playoffs. You know, every team's got a decent amount of talent, decent coaching. Uh, so it should be interesting to see where they head off. But, uh, you know, I, I, going forward into the semifinals, I do expect Lakers, Rockets, and then I expect Clippers probably. Uh, I'm going to say Jazz just because they're ahead. I honestly don't know what comes out of there. Um, so it should be interesting uh, to see where we go from here. Brought any comments? Um, not really, but one thing that I do have to say, I mean, you can just tell the difference in talent between the Eastern and Western Comets based off how the series ended. I mean, three out of the four series for the Eastern Comets were sweeps. I think that's mm-hmm. correct. So, yeah. Oh, and just just to go off of that, on the Eastern side, since we're in round two, I'm going to give my predictions. Oh, gotcha. Um, cause by, because by the, end, by the end of next Sunday... The, the series should pretty much be over already. Yeah. I expect the Bucks in, in six probably, the Bucks in five or six. I'm probably gonna go six, and then I'm gonna go the Boston Celtics in six as well. Actually, no, the Boston Celtics in seven. I'm going the Celtics in seven, and then we're gonna go the Bucks in six. Those are my predictions. Fair predictions. Max, any predictions? Uh, probably Bucks, and I have Bucks and Celtics as well. Gotcha. gotcha. The Celtics are just so hot right now that I can't really go against them. I feel like. The Celtics and the Raptors, if you guys have a chance, definitely watch that series. They're both really interesting teams. Number one, there's no overarching superstar in either of those teams right now. But there, you know, there is talent, you know, between like Jason Tatum, Pascal Siakam, uh, Kyle Lowry, etc., etc. You know, there's a lot of talent, Mark Smart. There's a lot of talent on both sides. And they, both teams really play as a team. And I think they're, they're very similar to each other. But I do think the Celtics are a lot hotter right now. Uh, you know, as we saw today against the Raptors, they, they just they pretty much pummeled the Raptors throughout the entire game. Um, I, and honestly, that might be a function of the fact that the Raptors uh, played the Nets last round, swept them. The Nets were pretty abysmal; didn't really put up any fight for the Raptors. They didn't give them any competition. Uh, versus the Celtics, who had to take on the 76ers, who they also swept. Remember, both these teams swept, but I think the Celtics definitely put up more of a fight than the uh, Nets did with Nets, you know, obviously having no talent on the team uh, due to injuries and opt-outs. Uh, 76ers are still a talented team, which I want to beat. I think they put up more of a fight for the Celtics, preparing them for this Raptors series better. Uh, but I, you know, that's pretty much why I'm going Celtics in seven. Uh, really even teams, and they play really similarly, so it's a pretty good series to watch. 
definitely, I would definitely agree with that. I'm going to try and catch some of that series. All right, so we're going to go into baseball. Um, the trading deadline's coming up actually tomorrow, which we're going to get into. But first, um, the Athletics have one person in their organization that tested positive for the coronavirus. So that makes them the fifth or sixth team that's had a situation. Um, it should be interesting how this goes because... If you remember, um, obviously the Mons had a huge outbreak, the Phillies had a huge outbreak. Then the Reds had only two players and the Mets only had one. And if the Athletics only have one, it could be a good sign that baseball has really figured out how to uh, do good contract, tra- good contact tracing, be able to limit the amount of people uh, possibly infected, which should be something to keep an eye on. Um, the Athletics were playing the Astros, so that series has been postponed. Well, there's only one game left, so that game has been postponed i don't know if they've actually come out with the date on that but just some basic news now to go into the trading deadline obviously going into the trading deadline a lot of pitchers are on the move teams look to bolster their bullpen um for sure i mean obviously they're going to try and get as much talent as possible if you're in the playoff hunt um one team that's really been going for it is the padres thus far uh they picked up the power bat of Mitch Moreland um, yesterday and also added Trevor Rosenthal to their bullpen. I mean, I don't really think they needed any more power, but the more power, the better. If you haven't been following, the Padres have been crushing the ball. Um, I think they had like a five-game streak of grand slams, something like that. They have Fernando Tatis, who's the home run leader uh, right now in the baseball, I'm pretty sure, baseball overall. Um, Trevor Rosenthal adds a lot to that bullpen. Uh, he has a 3.29 ERA right now, um, which is a really good ERA, especially for a bullpen pitcher. Um, so the Padres are really going for it, which is nice to see because the Padres, I think, right now are second place in the NL West. But then again, baseball this season, it's 16 teams that make it, so it's the first two teams in each division and then the two wild cards. So it's nice to see a team like the Padres, who usually aren't in it, actually be in it and be fighting to get farther into the playoffs than they might have started out at. Um, other news, Tommy Malone, the Braves added Tommy Malone to their rotation. Tommy Malone's kind of a middle-of-the-road uh, pitcher. He's had an okay season, 3.99 ERA with the, uh, with the Orioles. That's probably one of his best seasons in a while. He was with the Mets, was it last season? Um, he was an average pitcher. But the Braves really need some pitching talent. They have Max Fried, who's Cy, who's leading for Cy Young right now in the NL. I think he has like a 1.290 ERA or something crazy like that. But behind Max Fried, very similar to the Mets, there's no one else. Um, the Mets, they have Jacob DeGrom and no one else. Uh, so the Braves at a time alone, who I don't know how much he's going to really add to the Braves, but they need some type of pitching, so they got him. Um, that's really all the major trading deadline news other pitchers to keep an eye on that could be traded are Lance Lynn who's had a spectacular season with the Rangers um I think he's 33 now so kind of like a bounce back year for him something that was unexpected Mike Clevenger on the Indians he's he's talented but him and his uh relationship with the Indians has been tarnished since his little COVID situation where he left the team without telling anyone and just was kind of like nonchalant about it um, so that relationship has kind of been ruined and I think they're trying to trade him. 
Uh, Greg Holland, another relief pitcher that could be on the move. Trevor Bauer, I'm pretty sure this is his last season with the Reds unless they go out and re-sign him. I don't think he's going to be on the move because the Reds have no reason to trade him. He's another Cy Young talented player, and the Reds are in, uh, definitely in it for the playoffs. So that's really it for the trading deadline. I, I see teams going after bullpen arms at this point, just trying to shore up their bullpen, which is always something that teams are trying to figure out because bullpen pitchers are very... Uh, wish-washy, which is something I'm going to go into in the Mets rundown that's happening right now. So the Mets had had a pretty good week up until today where um, they were playing a doubleheader in the first game against the Yankees. They were up 7-2, to two, bottom of the ninth, two outs. They give up five straight runs. The Yankees tie the game up 7-7 seven, seven, and then win it in the bottom of the eighth. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean... Edwin Diaz, I mean, it's not really his fault. They brought in Jared Hughes for three straight games, which I thought made no sense. Um, They had Drew Smith warming up. Go to him. You're up by five. There's no reason to push someone even farther. The problem that I've had with Luis Rojas so far, he doesn't really know how to manage his bullpen, which is a huge problem. But also he makes all these defensive replacements that take out talented hitters from the lineup to put in defensive players, which should make sense if you're thinking about it, but if you don't know how to manage your bullpen and your bullpen gives up all those runs back, your lineup at the end of the, after that inning where you just blow your lead really has no one because it's all the defensive players. And a lot of the times you're good at defense, you're not that great at offense, which leaves the Mets at having no one in their, uh, in their lineup, which really sucks because it continues to happen to the Mets that they give up big leads and then, don't have anyone in the lineup to do anything about that. Uh, But that was about an hour and a half ago, so I've kind of calmed down a little bit from being just completely mad. Um, Other than that, there's good parts about the Mets, there's bad parts about the Mets. I keep on saying the same things every week, so I'm going to keep it somewhat shorter. The biggest takeaway from this week is that Luis Rojas doesn't really know how to manage his bullpen, and then his defense replacements ruin their lineup for the rest of the game. Um, Edwin Diaz, I've completely given up hope on because what's the point anymore? And that's all I have to say about the Mets. Nick, Yankees? Uh, the Yankees are pretty much the story of last week. I think it continues yeah. this week. It's just the injuries are plaguing the Yankees so bad. Um, I can't really blame it on anybody besides the fact that the Yankees are injured. You know, they, they lost seven games in a row over this past week. Uh, it's been pretty abysmal. Uh, it was a pretty nice win they got against the, today against the Mets, and hopefully that's a morale raiser for the Yankees. But uh, the Yankees are injured; they're three and seven in their last ten. Um, and you know while they're going cold because of injuries, uh, the Rays are getting hot at the exact yeah. same time. The Rays have taken a surmountable lead, uh, four games, uh, four game lead in the Eastern Division of the American League. So uh, I think the Yankees, when the players come back from injury, when they get everybody back, they need to hit the ground running and they need to not look back because. They're not going to have much time to retry and uh, reclaim that first seed. Uh, they're going to have to win a ton of games coming out of the injuries and going into the playoffs. is going to be tough. You know, the Yankees may not get the one seed, but how short the season is, they may not have enough time to recover uh, after the to get the players back from injury. You know, right now, if they were to, if they were to get everybody back right now, they probably have enough time to recover. But depending on when everybody does come back, it, it's going to affect it uh, long term. You know, I, I want the Yankees to be able to get that one seed for the playoffs, but uh, to see what happens. Yeah, I mean. One thing that I do have to say, the Mets 
swept the first doubleheader against the Yankees, which was nice, mm-hmm. with two come-from-behind wins. One of them, a two-run home run by Ahmed Rosario against Araldis Chapman to walk off the game, which was nice to see. But the way they just lost this game is terrible and something that don't want to talk about anymore. Um, so I guess we'll go into football. Uh, sure. So uh, the first story of the week that I have is that Grant Delpit uh, went out for the season earlier this week. Uh, the second round pick for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, It's terrible for him, obviously. He's going to be out for the 2021 season. I think more so because when we look at Grant Delpit's career so far as a football player, um, had an incredible sophomore season at LSU, uh, kind of fell off a little bit last year, and now, you know, which he would have been easy to, like, top 15 pick if he played like he did at his sophomore season at LSU. Um, Obviously, he fell to second round due to his – Somewhat abysmal season, you know, his lack of tackling, frankly, at his junior season at LSU. And now he's been hit with a uh, ACL tear. And I think at this point for Grant Delpit, this is like, this is the crossroads for him. You know, he needs to take this injury and take his junior year and learn from it and work harder. Or he's not going to be successful in the NFL. Uh, you know, because ACL injury is pretty significant, especially at the beginning of your career. That's gonna It's going to hinder you. Um, it's going to take some time to getting used to, especially if it's a complete tear. Um, which I'm not sure if it is or not. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely going to take some getting used to. It's going to hinder somewhat of his athletic, athletic ability, at least at first. Um, and you know, if if he doesn't like push hard to improve himself, you know, he'll continue to fall into that slump uh, that he saw himself get into in his junior year. But again, I think at the same time, if he takes this as like a time to train, a time to rethink, a time to learn. He can revert back to how he was, how his, how he, how he was progressing his sophomore year at LSU. Um, so I'm hoping he is able to do that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Grant Delpit has a lot of potential. So, I, I, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm a big Browns guy. I think the, the roster they put together is, is really interesting. There's a ton of talent on that team, and I'd love to see them do well. Uh, so I'm hoping Grant Delpit obviously fully recovers and that he does well when he does recover. Um, going off of that second story right now is going to be the Bills. They had released Stephen Hauschka, uh, their kicker, who, if you remember a couple years back, um, I can't remember what was the kicker's name that absolutely blew it for the Bills. But they, st- they signed Stephen Hauschka from the Seahawks um, after he, you know, they signed, he signed a two-year extension uh, before last season. Um, he went one of five for 50-plus. He finished 22 for 28 for the Bills. And I guess they didn't think that was good enough for them, so they're going to move on. It uh, should be interesting to see who they get. Uh, interestingly enough, Aljic Rosas is out on the free market right now because the Giants released him. Um, do they want him on their locker room? I don't know. He, you know, he had a subpar well, season last year was subpar, but obviously a season two years ago he was an All Pro, so that could be a good replacement for them. But they also have to deal with the fact that he got a DUI and, and all the criminal stuff that he's got to deal with, uh, as well as the hit and run that he had. So you know, a lot of a lot of baggage going in there with Aljic Rosas, but really good kicker. Uh, yeah, no. replacement for Hauschka. And the, the Titans are working out Hauschka right now and Steven Gostowski. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Also, Steven Gostowski is in the free market now and Hauschka and Alja Groza. So I think there's a lot of good kickers for teams to, to try out um, going into this next season. Uh, if you, whatever your NFL team is, you know, kickers are relatively inexpensive. I think it'd be a really good idea to try those guys out at kicker and see if it works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final piece of story, uh, final story out of this week, which I think is the biggest story, that comes out of the uh, football this week is going to be the Vikings. Uh, they acquired Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars in exchange for a second-round pick and a fifth-round fifth, pick, uh, fifth round conditional pick. Um, that could be a third-rounder, depending on, obviously, 
uh, where the Jaguars land in this next season. Um, should be interesting to see how he pans out at the Vikings. You know, the Vikings, they had lost Everson Griffin to the Cowboys um, earlier this season. And we knew Yannick Ngakwe was going to be on the move. He wanted out of Jack, uh, Jacksonville. He, he was not going to sign a contract extension. They had to move him at some point. And they thought we thought he was going to be around the draft time, but it happens to be now. And it's a pretty big pickup for the Vikings, uh, again. But them losing Everson Griffin, Yannick Ngakwe will fill that slot very nicely. Uh, you know, I think he's really talented for how young he is. Um, you know, I think he has he, he still can prove a little bit um, with the right coaching, I think, would be big for him. But I think he could be a premier pass rusher, pass rusher in this league. And as I've spoken in the past, pass rushers in the NFL come at a premium. They're not easy to come by. They're expensive. So to get somebody like Yannick Ngakwe on your team, who's relatively young, has a lot of potential, and is already a pretty good pass rusher, uh, it's a pretty big pickup for the Vikings, especially for a second and fifth rounder. Uh, right now, I'd say the Vikings won that trade, uh, with the fact being that Jacksonville really couldn't win the trade with the situation that they were in. But a second round. You cut out there, Nick. I figured I cut out. <laughs> um, I, just, I was just saying that uh, you know Jacksonville, they were in a tough situation with the fact that Yannick Ngakwe wanted out. But I don't think a second rounder in exchange for him was that big of a loss. I think they did a decent job. It's kind of a win-win for both teams, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's honestly a fair value trade. Because I think with the way Ngakwe wanted out of there, he'd been since March. I um, you know, there's, I, I thought his value was already down a little bit. You know, they're not getting. I don't think I never thought they were going to get a first rounder for him with the way you know he was saying wanted out of there. You know, team. I just figured no one was going to pay that high of a price. But for the Vikings, I think this is huge for them because going into the draft, I had one of their big needs at an edge rusher. And cornerback, but they've they've already got the cornerback with um, Jeff Gladney. So we'll see how he pans out. But now they've got a proven player in, in Gawkwe. So I mean, I think this team is pretty well balanced all of, all over the field. So I think they're going to be a good team. This is a good ad for them. I'm just agree. Is there any college stuff, or is that it? Uh, well, the college football season kicked off last night. I believe it was Central Arkansas versus Austin P. So I, I don't remember the result of that game. I just know it kicked off, which is a pretty big deal because right. nobody knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And also, big news today, Jamar Chase opting out of the year, who's the guy who's going to be the number one receiver and mm-hmm. probably a top five pick. He opted out today. Pretty big blow to LSU's roster. Pretty pretty late notice, if you ask me, but it's I can't really blame him. You know, He's only going to hurt his stock if he plays this year. I don't think he has much to gain. He had 1,700 yards last year. I don't, I don't know how he really does better than that. So, I mean, it's, it sucks for the team, but I think, honestly, it's a good decision for him. It's pretty deep this year. I 100% agree there. It's pretty big news that Jamar Chase uh, did opt out this year. Um, you know, Jamar Chase, for my 21 draft board, he's, he's my number one receiver right now. Me too. Um, so, it, you know, him draft. Just to put in perspective for you guys who don't follow college out there, you know, this, this kid, Jamar Chase, was my number one wide receiver on the board for 2021. And as, as, uh, Max had said he's probably a top five, top ten pick in next year's draft, and the insane year he had last year, um, I think that you know he, he could only kind of hurt his draft stock. He could only slightly improve it. You know, if we're going to a, maybe like a fifth to a second, a second overall pick is not that big of a deal. Well, if the team wants him, they're going to go and get him. Um, and you know, with the, with the coronavirus going around and the fact that let's say he plays this year and he, he injures himself significantly, like a meniscus or an ACL tear or something along those lines, you know, that would really hurt his draft stock. So. I think it's a good. It's like the perfect year for Jamar Chase to sit out. Um, so he doesn't injure himself. Number one, number two, he doesn't hurt, hurt his draft stock at all. Uh, 
with that being said, I, I kind of find it interesting. If, with him opting out, does that mean he has to leave college, or can he stay and finish his degree? I don't know. I don't know what the, what, the, what that situation is like, but it should be interesting to see, like, uh, you know, can he finish the degree? Because, like, if, if he's not playing for the team this year, can he, like, sit out of, of really all the team play and kind of just, focus, like, take on some extra classes and finish his degree? I think if you could do that, that would be really smart because for him to finish – you know, let's say he sits out this year, you know, he does his own practices, whatever, because he's kind of opting out and can still stay at the school. If he gets his degree, I mean, that would be like a huge win for him because let's say football doesn't work out, he still has his college degree to lean back on. So that would be pretty pretty incredible for me. Um, should be interesting to see if that's a possibility. Yeah, I have no, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know, I didn't even know players could opt out of the college season at this point. Yeah, I don't, is there a deadline for opt out for college? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the point, the only player that I've kind of seen opt out like that was James Wiseman this year for Memphis. I mean, honestly, if we're if we're being honest, is there really an opt out deadline at all for any sport? Because we're seeing guys like, for example, Tuka That's Rask true. for the Bruins. He went into the bubble. He opted out without any penalty whatsoever. Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's an opt out. And it's kind of a different opt out because with James Wiseman, he opted out because of his injury and he didn't want to stay there. So he kind of he kind of just left Memphis. Right. He never returned. Where this is kind of. A more of a medical-based opt-out in terms of you know he doesn't want to risk for coronavirus, and I think the NCAA is respecting play- players um, and their their you know, their their ability to do that. So, do they have to leave college? I don't know. It's the, we'll have to do some more research on that, but it's kind of interesting to see like the logistics of that. Yeah, one thing I'll say is like a couple years ago, with the um, trend of skipping bowl games became a thing whenever Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey's. Um, Opt out of their bowl games. You know, we knew that was going to become a trend, and it has. Some players decide to do that. I hope it doesn't. I hope this. And we're kind of seeing that also a couple years ago. Nick Bosa, he got hurt in the middle of the year, and then he opted out the rest of the year to prepare for his draft. So I just hope that you know it might, but I just hope opting out of seasons doesn't become a thing for college football players moving forward. Yep, hundred percent agree. Um, I think with that, that ends our podcast for the week. Um, kind of final words for me. Uh, my semester has definitely picked up here at Villanova. I've been pretty swamped, but also not paying attention because Madden dropped. And as you guys know, I'm a huge Madden head, um, so I've been grinding that a lot. Bombed my first molecular bio quiz, but we're gonna get back to that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna get like I think I got like a sixty, or something like that. You know, not great, but not horrible. Uh, definitely gonna do better than that. Um, you know, we definitely again we're such like an interesting time in America. Like we're, this is this time is going to be in the in the textbooks uh, when we're older. Um, there's just so much changing between the pandemic and social justice that it's just it's such an incredible time to be living in. And I'm just like in awe. And I'm just trying to take it all in while at the same time trying to live my normal life, which which is impossible because of coronavirus. It's such a crazy time, and I don't I don't even know what to say or like how to describe what's happening, but. I just want things to go back to normal as soon as possible, and when, however that happens, happens. Um, but other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them at my email at nicholascorvet10 at yahoo.com. Um, and other than that, uh, thank you guys for listening. I guess I'll hand it over to Max or Brian. I'm not sure who's going next, but uh, see Brian. you guys next week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Max, any final words? Uh, no, just thank you for listening. All right. Um, let's see, what's new in my life? Not much. School starts September 2nd, so I think that's Wednesday. That's really all I have to say. I am not swamped with work because school has not started. Um, but...
hoping for a better week of Mets baseball because they definitely need to play better than what they just did. But other than that, we'll be back next week with another podcast. Let us know what you thought of this. You can DM us if you have any questions, anything like that. Check out our videos on YouTube, on Instagram, TikTok. I think uh, website. Um, if you have any interest in editing videos, writing for us, any way you think could help, contact the sport, universe2019 at gmail.com. And other than that, thanks for listening. Bye.